اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لیسن نمبر 187 سورة الفرقان آیا نمبر 21-34 وقال الذین لا يرجون لقاءنا and those people who do not expect the meeting with us they say لولا انزل علینا الملائکہ How come the angels don't descend upon us? Or how come we don't see our Lord? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about such people, لَقَدِ اسْتَكْبَرُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ وَعَتَوْ عُتُوًّا كَبِيرًا They have certainly become arrogant within themselves and they have become insolent with great insolence. This shows their great pride that they're demanding to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who? Which people? الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْجُونَ لِقَاءَنَا يَرْجُونَ is from Raja and Raja has two meanings. First of all it means to hope for something, to look forward to something, to expect something. So they do not look forward to the meeting with us. Meaning they do not look forward to the hereafter, to the reward of the hereafter, to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to see Him. They don't have any such hope. They don't have any such desire. And secondly, the word raja is also used for khawf, for fear. Like for example, مَا لَكُمْ لَا تَرْجُونَ لِلَّهِ وَقَارَ So raja also means fear. So they do not fear our meeting, meaning they do not fear the day of judgment. They do not fear giving the account. They do not fear being questioned about their deeds. What's the reason behind that? When does a person not look forward to the hereafter? And when does he not fear the hereafter either? It's when he does not believe in it. So, لَا يَرْجُونَ لِقَاءَنَا What does that show? They deny the hereafter. They don't have any fear. They don't have any hope. And because of that, they say, لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْنَا الْمَلَائِكَةِ How come, why not, do the angels descend upon us? Earlier in the surah, we learned about the many, many objections that the mushrikeen of Makkah raised against the Prophet ﷺ. Amongst them were that he is a human being. He eats just like we eat. He goes to the marketplaces just like we go. So there is no difference between us and him. So over here, they're saying that if there is no difference between us and him, in human terms, like he is a human and we are human beings, then if angels come to him bringing revelation, then angels should also come to us bringing revelation. So why are they demanding that the angels should come to them? Bringing revelation. That if the angel can bring wahi to Muhammad ﷺ, and he's a human being just like us, then angels should also come to us. They should also bring wahi to us. Because we are better than him. We are more powerful than him. We are wealthier than him. So this was their first demand. لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْنَا الْمَلَائِكَةِ How come the angels do not descend on us? And the second demand that they had was that أَوْ نَرَى رَبَّنَا How come we do not see our Lord? Meaning how come we don't see Allah? If Muhammad ﷺ is really a messenger, that Allah should show us Himself and He should tell us that we should believe in Him and we should follow Him. And nothing like this happens. He's not a messenger. He's a liar. And you will see that even today, people make the same demands. 
that if we are expected to believe in God, then how come we cannot see God? Isn't it so? If we are expected to believe in the angels, then how come we don't see the angels? The fact is that in our faith there is something known as belief in the unseen. And that is a test. That is a test for everybody. So they make such demands that, أَوْنَرَى رَبَّنَا How come we do not see our Lord? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about such people? That لَقَدِ اسْتَكْبَرُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ They have become very arrogant in themselves. They have assumed greatness about themselves in their own hearts. What does it mean by this? فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ Meaning with regards to themselves, they have become very arrogant. They think too highly of themselves. They think they're very, very great. And whether or not somebody acknowledges them to be great, they think that they're very great. And you see, this is the reality of arrogance. That a person thinks he's very mighty. And other people don't even consider him to be mighty. Isn't it so? A person thinks he's up there. A person thinks he's very, very special. However, in the sight of others, he's not that special. He's not up there. So, لَقَدْ اسْتَكْبَرُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ وَعَتَوْ عُتُوًّا كَبِيرًا عَتَوْ is from the root letters. عَيْنْ تَاوَوْ And عُتُوْ is to disobey out of arrogance. It is to cross the limits, to exceed the limits in disobedience. Why? Out of arrogance. That a person does not care about any bounds, any limits, any rules, any restrictions. He just does whatever he desires. So such people, they're so insolent, they're so arrogant, they're so disobedient, that they're demanding to see Allah. They're demanding that the angels should come to them. This is as though it is being said that what do these people think of themselves? What do they think of themselves? That the angels should come to each and every single one of them. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should show Himself to these people. And we see that the Bani Israel also, they made a very similar demand. They also demanded from Musa alayhi salam, that أَرِنَ اللَّهَ جَهْرَ Show us Allah openly. Like we want to see Him clearly, openly. But what happened? What happened then? A thunderbolt struck them and they were punished immediately. So we see that any person who makes such demands, the reason behind that is pride and Allah does not like pride. Because a person who is humble, a person who is submissive, what is his behavior? That if the messenger tells him something, he will accept it. And people who think very highly of themselves, what do they want? That everything should be proven to them. Everything should be shown to them. I will not accept, I will not believe until I see this, until you show it to me. So this is a sign of great pride that a person has in his heart. Make oneself greater than one's actual worth. One's actual value. You see, each person has a certain value, has a certain worth. And to consider oneself greater than that, that is istikbar. Like for example, as Canadian citizens, for example, we have a certain worth, right? But to consider oneself as absolutely free and think that, oh, I can carry weapons. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're not a police officer. Right? A police officer can carry a gun, but you as a citizen, you cannot carry a gun. Can you do that? No, you can't. And if you do that, and you say, oh, I should have the freedom to do it, this is what? Considering yourself greater than who you really are. What you really are. And this is what pride really is. 
pride is about thinking oneself as greater and higher than what one really is. You see, a person who is arrogant, it's not necessary that people consider him to be very great. But what does he consider himself? Great. And this is deception, this is foolishness. So لَقَدْ اسْتَكْبَرُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ وَعَتَوْا And they have been insolent, عُتُوًا كَبِيرًا With great insolence. So in this verse, the pride of the disbelievers is mentioned. That how highly they think of themselves, that they make such great demands, that angels should be sent to them, and that they should be able to see Allah. In Surah Al-An'am, Ayah 124 also we learn, وَإِذَا جَاءَتْهُمْ آيَةٌ قَالُوا لَن نُؤْمِنَ حَتَّى نُؤْتَى مِثْلَ مَا أُوْتِيَ رُسُلُ اللَّهِ That when a sign comes to them, they say, we will never believe until we are given like that which was given to the messengers of Allah. If we are given the same, then we will believe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds, in Surah Ghafir, Ayah 56, we learn, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُجَادِلُونَ فِي آيَاتِ اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ سُلْطَانٍ أَتَاهُمْ إِنْ فِي صُدُورِهِمْ إِلَّا كِبْرٌ مَا هُمْ That indeed those people who dispute concerning the signs of Allah without any authority having come to them, there is not within their hearts except pride, the extent of which they cannot reach. Meaning they're saying this out of pride. Who do they think they are that they should be sent angels? That they should be able to see Allah? And by the way, why would a person make such a demand anyway? Are they really seeking the truth? No. This is just arguing. This is just disputing with the messenger in order to prove to him that he is wrong. Right? Like for example, the hereafter was mentioned, the people would say to the Prophet ﷺ, okay, when is the day of judgment going to be? Tell us when it is going to be and then we will believe. Well, the fact is that nobody knows when it will be. Who knows? Only Allah knows. Right? So likewise saying that I will only believe in God if I see Him, I will only believe in the Qur'an if I meet an angel, this is extreme pride. يَوْمَ يَرَوْنَ الْمَلَائِكَةَ Allah says, worry not, they will see the angels. And on the day that they will see the angels, لَا بُشْرَى يَوْمَئِذٍ لِلْمُجْرِمِينَ لَا no بُشْرَى Good news, يَوْمَئِذٍ That day, لِلْمُجْرِمِينَ For the criminals. Meaning, on the day that they will see the angels, they won't receive any good news. They're not going to receive any good news. What is it that they're going to receive? Punishment. Because when is it that each person will definitely see the angels? At what time? At the time of death. So at the time of death when the angels will come before them, they won't bring any good news to them. وَيَقُولُونَ And the angels will say, حِجْرًا مَحْجُورًا Prevented and inaccessible. Meaning they will bring bad news and they will say to them, حِجْرًا مَحْجُورًا What is this حِجْرًا مَحْجُورًا? If you look at both the words, they have the same root. Ha, jim, ra. Hijr. Hijr literally means manner, to prevent. Alright? From the same root is the word hajar. And what does hajar mean? A rock, a stone. And a stone, like for example, if there's a stone wall, then what's the purpose of that? To make it as a barrier. Alright? Hijr is also a place that is surrounded by a stone wall. Have you seen around the Kaaba there's a semicircle? On one side of it there's a semicircle? What is that area called? Hatim. It's also called Hijr. Why is it called Hijr? Because there's a wall over there, right? Enclosing that place, alright? Hijr. 
Hijr is also used for intellect. هَلْ فِي ذَلِكَ قَسَمٌ لِذِي حِجْرٍ Why? Because the intellect, your mind, what does it do? It stops you from doing foolish things, from saying foolish words. Isn't it? So hijr is intellect. Also, when something is forbidden, that is also called hijr. Like the mushrikeen, they said, وَقَالُوا هَذِهِ أَنْعَامٌ وَحَرْثٌ حِجْرٍ They say that these cattle, this livestock, and this produce, it is hijr, meaning it is forbidden. Nobody's going to eat it. So this is hijr. Now what is mahjur? Mahjur is that around which is a stone wall. Alright? That which is forbidden. That which is prevented from. That which is barred, which is banned. So hijrun mahjura, hijrun mahjura is an expression which is used for a strong barrier between two things. Such a barrier, such a hurdle that cannot be removed, that you cannot break, you cannot go through. Like for example in Surah Al-Furqan only, Ayah 53 we learn, وَهُوَ الَّذِي مَرَجَ الْبَحْرَيْنِ هَذَا عَذْبٌ فُرَاتٌ وَهَذَا مِلْحٌ أُجَاجٌ وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَهُمَا بَرْزَخًا وَحِجْرًا مَحْجُورًا The two different types of water, one is sweet and the other is salty, right? Fresh water and salty water in the middle of the ocean. Between them is a barrier, hijran mahjura, a barrier that does not let the two waters mix together. So you understand hijran mahjura? So what is being said over here? That the angels when they will appear before these people, what will they say to them? Hijran mahjura, meaning Allah's favor and mercy is forbidden to you. It's inaccessible to you. Now you are prevented, you are prohibited from anything good. Or this can also be understood as hijra mahjura, meaning just stop. Now you cannot do anything. So basically when the angels will come before them, they will catch their souls and they will not let them free. They will not let them go. Meaning once the angels will come before them, then these people will be caught then they will not be able to say whatever they want, do whatever they want, escape, run away. No, then they will be caught. Today they demand to see the angels, but when they do see the angels, it will not be a good day for them. And this is basically describing to us the time of their death. In Surah Al-Anfal, Ayah 50, also we learn, وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذْ يَتَوَفَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا الْمَلَائِكَةُ If you could only see when the angels were taking the souls of those who reject يَضْرِبُونَ وُجُوهَهُمْ وَأَدْبَارَهُمْ وَذُوقُ وَعَذَابَ الْحَرِيقِ They're striking them on their faces and their backs and they say, taste the punishment of the burning fire. So right now in their freedom, what are they doing? Making such demands. But when the angels come before them, then they will lose all their freedom. وَقَدِمْنَا And on the day of judgment, what will happen? وَقَدِمْنَا And we will approach. Qadima, Qaf, Dal, Meem. What does Qadam mean? Foot, right? To step forward. Qadima ila, to advance towards something, to approach something. So, Waqadimna, we will advance ila towards ma'amilu, whatever they have done, min amalin of any deed. Meaning their actions, whatever deeds they have performed, whatever actions they have done. 
we will approach them, meaning we will regard them, we will attend to them, and what will we do to their deeds? فَجَعَلْنَاهُ Then we will make them habaan into dust that is mansura that is dispersed. Haba from the root letters haba hamza. Haba is basically fine dust particles. So fine that you can only see them in light. Has it ever happened that you clean something, like for example your desk, alright, you clean it, it was dusty, you cleaned it, now you see no dust over there. Then you open the window, sunlight is coming in, and then you see dust specks flying in the air. You're like, where did these come from? I just cleaned up. Alright? And you try to get rid of them, but can you? You can't. They're always there. No matter how much you clean a place, the moment light will enter, what will you see in that light? Dust specks. That is haba. So fine, so small, so scattered, that no matter what you do, you can never collect them. You can never catch them. You can never contain them. They will always be there. Haba. And especially if it's mansoor, Mansoor from the root letters, noon sa'ra, nathar. And nathar is that which is scattered. Nathar is also used for the opposite of shir. What is shir? Poetry. Alright? And in poetry, you see words, they are very precise. You can only have a certain number of words. Alright? They have to be of a certain rhythm or sound. Correct? And the opposite of poetry is nathar. So what is nathar? Scattered speech, random speech. Alright? There's no rhythm, no rhyme, nothing in it. This is nathar. So mansur is that which is scattered. So when something is scattered in this way, is it possible to collect it? Impossible. What is being mentioned in this verse? That the good deeds of such people on the day of judgment will be rendered worthless. They will be destroyed. Just like something is turned to dust, when it's turned to dust, then can you put it back together? Can you even collect the particles of dust? No way. Impossible. You know like if something is burnt to ashes, and those ashes are blown away, then what will happen? It's impossible to put it back together. Can you fix it? You cannot. If something is ripped, if something is broken, can you mend it? Can you fix it? If something is broken, can you fix it? You can. But if something is blasted, burnt, such that it scatters and it's dust, can you put it back together? No way. So basically, the message that we are being given over here is that their deeds will be rendered worthless. So they will not benefit them at all. Which deeds are these? Good deeds. You see, when you look at people who do not believe, you will find amongst them many who are Ahlul Khair. Meaning who are good people. Good people, why? Because they do a lot of good. Like for example, charity, standing up for the rights of the weak, right? Living basically in service to humanity. Helping people, helping children, helping those who are oppressed, the sick, those who have some weakness, have some disability, even animals, right? Those who are abandoned by people, there are certain others who will take them in and help them. And such people have existed always. Even at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, we learned that there was this hilful fudul, 
right? Which was this pact that certain leaders of Makkah came up with. They agreed upon that they will always stand up for the rights of the oppressed, of the weak, of those who have no supporters, who have no helpers, right? People are known for their generosity. They will spend millions and millions to help others. However, what do we learn in this ayah? That their deeds are not going to have any weight on the day of judgment. Their deeds will be turned into dust. Why? Because they perform those deeds for the sake of humanity, for the sake of people, genuinely to help people, right? Out of kindness, just to help people. Or they did it for fame. So what happened in this world? Did they get their reward? Yes, they did. How? A monument was made for them. Their names are mentioned. Their names are recorded. Right? Their names were entered into world records. Right? They're cited as examples. Their stories are well known. They are praised in this world for years and years, for centuries even. They got their reward in this world. On the day of judgment, they will not receive any reward. Why? Because they didn't do it for the hereafter. They didn't do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 19, Allah says, وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةَ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعْيَهَا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَأُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ سَعْيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا That the person whose goal is the akhirah, and then he strives for it also, the way he should strive, while he believes, then yes, their efforts will be appreciated. And if a person is working really hard, doing a lot of great work, but if he's not doing it for Allah, he's not doing it for reward in the hereafter, then on the day of judgment, he's not going to receive anything. He's not going to receive anything. Like for example, we learn about a person who was known for his recitation of the Qur'an, or who was known for his charity, then what will happen? Allah will call him on the day of judgment, remind him of the favors that he bestowed upon him, and ask him, what did you do? He will say, Oh Allah, I learned your book, I read it. Oh Allah, you gave me money, I gave it to others. And Allah will say, فَعَلْتَ لِيُقَالَ You did it so that you would be mentioned. وَقَدْ قِيلَ And you were mentioned, you were spoken of, meaning you got your reward in the world. You didn't do it for Allah. So on the day of judgment, there is no reward for such people. The Prophet ﷺ said, I know of people from my ummah who will come on the day of judgment with good deeds like that of the mountain of Tihama. Now the mountain of Tihama, how big is it? Allahu alam. But mountain, it's clear that these deeds are not a few. They're many, huge. But Allah will turn them into scattered dust. Allah will turn them into haba'am mansura. The Prophet ﷺ said, Beware, they are your brothers. They are of your skin. Meaning they look just like you. They're very similar to you. They take a portion of the night for worship just as you do. But they are a people who when they are alone, they indulge in forbidden matters. They indulge in forbidden matters. So because of this, what will happen? Their good deeds will be destroyed on the Day of Judgment. Now this ayah specifically talks about who? Those who do not believe in the hereafter. Their deeds will be destroyed. But in this is a lesson for us also, that even if we believe in the hereafter, but we're not doing our deeds with the right intention, then those deeds are worthless. 
They're not going to count on the Day of Judgment. They're not going to bring any benefit to a person on the Day of Judgment. And this is something that is so and hurtful. Just think about it. If you do something with so much effort, just imagine if you bake a cake, you put the icing, everything, you decorate it, and then what happens? It falls. Just imagine. If it falls, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Recently I saw a child took a box of apple pie. Alright? And the apple pie was just the tray, okay? Straight out of the oven, nice and warm. I mean, delicious. Alhamdulillah, it was store-bought. Okay? Because if somebody made it at home, what happened? Grabbed that tray and it fell literally upside down. Literally upside down. You can imagine what happened to that pie. Just imagine. So imagine, if you make something with all your heart, you put in so much effort and it turns into dust? Why do you think when the part of the house is burnt or if it gets ruined somehow, why do you think they are hurt? Because first of all, such a huge financial loss. But more than that, it's that sentimental value that that house had. Because the work that you do passionately When you've put your heart, your blood, your sweat, your mind, everything into it, and if it brings you nothing, it's very hurtful. It's like in school, when that subject all year and you do bad on a test and your mark drops. Yes. That all year round you're working really hard in a particular subject, and at the end, you weren't able to write your test really well, and what happens? You fail. Or you get a D or something. It's so hurtful. Or just imagine you do an assignment or a project or something and like a really mean teacher, they literally take your sheet, your paper, your test paper, your assignment, your project, and they just crumple it up and throw it in the garbage. Not acceptable. You would sue such a teacher. Isn't it? I mean, you would do something. You would take some action against that teacher. That How could you treat me like that? But what can a person do on the Day of Judgment when their deeds are destroyed like this? This is why it's so important that whatever we do, we do it with the akhirah in mind. We do it with the hereafter in mind. We do it for the sake of Allah. Because otherwise, we are only harming ourselves. Ashabul Jannah, the companions of paradise. Yawma idhin, that day, meaning on the day of judgment, The people of paradise, they will be khayrun mustaqarran. They will be better in mustaqar. What is mustaqar? A place of stay, residence. So they will be in a better settlement that day. They will be in a better place that day. A place where they will stay forever. وَأَحْسَنُ مَقِيلًا And they will be in a better, أَحْسَن, more beautiful, better, مَقِيل, resting place. This is beautiful. مَقِيل is from the root letters, قَافْ يَا لَام. قَيْلُولَ What is قَيْلُولَ? Hmm? Afternoon nap. Alright? Basically, when the day is long, and it's very, very hot, and you've been up since morning, Then what happens? Do you need an afternoon nap? Yes, you do. But can you afford an afternoon nap every day? Can you? You can't. I mean, in Ramadan especially, what happened? Even though you were up most of the night and you were up since morning, you've hardly had any sleep, being able to sleep during the day was a luxury. Luxury. 
Why? Because either you have to be at work or at school or you have children or you have so much work to do that you cannot nap. And those of you who could nap, lucky you. Honestly, lucky you because everybody was not able to. You could sleep in until 11, 12, but everybody was not able to. People had to be at work at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., right? So, qaylula, being able to nap during the day is really a luxury. So never take it for granted. Never ever take it for granted if you're able to take a nap. Now, what does it mean that people in Jannah will be in a better resting place, meaning they will nap? Why Why does a person need to nap? Either because it's really hot, you can't go outside, and when you're indoors, how much work can you do? You end up you know, falling asleep. Or because you're tired. Does this mean that in Jannah, there will be a lot of heat, or that people will get tired because of which they will nap? No. This is not the meaning. What this refers to is the initial nap that people of Jannah will take on arriving in paradise. Because... Sa'id bin Jubair, he said that Allah will finish the judgment halfway through the day. And the people of paradise will take their midday rest in paradise. Alright? Meaning this is when they will arrive in Jannah. Because we learn that the day of judgment, yes it is very long. The wait is very long. But once the judgment will begin, like for example, think of it as morning. The judgment begins, hisab begins. By the time of afternoon nap, the whole hisab is done. This is why we learned that Allah is sari'ul hisab, swift in taking the account. It will not take him long to take the hisab of all human beings. It will not take him long. So by the time people will enter Jannah, it will be the time of qaylula. Then we also learn about a certain group of people, the muhajirun. Alright, the muhajirun. That how a group of them will be the first group to enter Jannah. And when they will enter Jannah, they will have taken qailula of 40 years before the rest of mankind will enter Jannah. Can you imagine? qailula of 40 years. I mean, some people, if they're given that chance to sleep for 40 years, they would perhaps do it. Right? It's only because of their parents or their siblings or the work or because they have to eat or because they have to use the bathroom that they have to wake up. Otherwise... I mean, especially me, for example, I love to sleep. I love to sleep. If I was given the chance, I would sleep. But I cannot. It's not possible because you have to get up and do your work and look after your children and basically make use of your life because you know that life is short. Right? You can't afford to sleep forever. But imagine just the qailula, the initial qailula will be how long? Of 40 years. Ya Rabb. 40 years. Just imagine. And besides, people in Jannah, they have no worries. Right? I mean, just think about it. Many times it happens that when you have a week off, what happens? You spend most of your time doing what? Sleeping. Isn't it? Why? Because you have no work to do, you have no worries, you can afford to rest. So people in Jannah, they will rest. Why? Because they're tired? No. Why? Because they can. Because they can. Nobody's gonna disturb them. Nobody's gonna bother them. There's no work, no worries, no tension, nothing whatsoever. Relaxed. So they can sleep whenever they want. Now over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala points out the situation 
of the people of Jannah in contrast to that of the criminals. Hmm? That the people of Jannah, where will they be? خَيْرٌ مُسْتَقَرًّا وَأَحْسَنُ مَقِيلًا And the other group of people, what will happen to their deeds? Destroyed, demolished, turned into dust. This is why in Surah Al-Hashr, Ayah 20, Allah says, لَا يَسْتَوِي أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ وَأَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ The people of the fire and the people of Jannah, they are not the same. Not at all. There is no way. أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ هُمُ الْفَائِزُونَ It's the people of Jannah who will be successful. Why? Because on the day of judgment, they will not face any horror. In Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 103, we learned, They will not be grieved by the greatest terror. Allah will keep them safe. And then in Jannah, they will have no fear. So they will rest as long as they want, undisturbed. وَيَوْمَ And on the day, تَشَقَّقُوا السَّمَاءِ تَشَقَّقُوا It will rent asunder. It will break open. Sheen qaf qaf. Shak. What does shak mean? Shikka is basically a torn piece. Right? A torn piece of something. So tashakkaku, when it will be ripped apart, when it will be torn apart, when it will be cleft, what will be ripped apart? As-sama, the sky. Meaning the sky will not be on the day of judgment as you see it right now. Right now, what do you see? Blue sky, gray sky, white sky, yellow sky, whatever color it is off, but it is continuous. It's just space above us. But on the day of judgment, it will be different. It will be torn. And what will happen? It will tear apart بالغمام with the clouds. What does it mean by this? Meaning it will tear apart, it will split open and clouds shall emerge. Clouds shall emerge. And وَنُزِّلَ الْمَلَائِكَةُ And the angels shall be descended tanzila in successive descent. Meaning the angels will then appear before people. Right now, there is a barrier between us and the world of the angels. Meaning we cannot see them. But on the day of judgment, what will happen? These barriers will be broken. And the sky will be torn apart and the angels shall come down appearing before people. In Surah Al-Rahman, Ayah 37, we learn, فَإِذًا شَقَّتِ السَّمَاءُ فَكَانَتْ وَرْدَةً كَالْدِّهَانِ When the sky shall split open and will become rose-colored like oil. Just imagine, the color of the sky will be completely different. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 210, Allah says, هَلْ يَنظُرُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَأْتِيَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي ظُلَلٍ مِّنَ الْغَمَامِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ are they waiting that Allah should come to them in covers of clouds and the angels as well? Hmm? So on the Day of Judgment, what will happen? These clouds will come and the angels will descend. And notice the word tanzil. What does tanzil mean? Gradually descend. Meaning one group after the other. One saf, one row after the other. And what will happen then? Hisab shall take place. Al-mulku, true sovereignty. Al-Mulku. You see Al over here, the, it gives the meaning of absolute, complete, total. Total mulk, true sovereignty. Yawma idin that day, Al-Haqqu. Al-Haqqu. Meaning in reality, will be for who? Lil-Rahman. It will be for the most merciful. It will be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exclusively. In this world, what happens? Do people have authority? Do they have power? Yes, many people do. Right? But on the day of judgment, absolute total authority, authority that will be of haq, meaning in reality, 
Meaning it will be evident that only Allah rules, only Allah has power today. It will be for who? Only Ar-Rahman. وَكَانَ يَوْمًا And ever will that day be. عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ On the disbelievers, عَسِيرَا Very difficult. Meaning that day shall be very, very difficult for those who disbelieve. عَسِيرَ From the root letters, عَيْنْ سِينَ رَا عُسْر It's the opposite of Yusr. Yusr is when something is easy and Usr is difficulty. Asir, one that is difficult, tough, harsh, very difficult. Shadeed, غير yasir, it will not be easy. Meaning, firstly, its length. It won't be easy. It won't be easy for the disbelievers. Then its severities, its sufferings. Fears that it will bring, the scenes that they will be made to see, what they will be made to hear, all of that will be very, very difficult for the disbelievers on the Day of Judgment. What do we learn in this ayah? Two main things. First of all, we learn that on the Day of Judgment, authority will be for who? Allah alone. Maliki yawmiddin. He is the sovereign of the Day of Judgment, the only one in power that day. So on the Day of Judgment, people cannot say that, oh, I was a king, I was a president, I was a judge, I was a lawyer, I was the mother, I was the one with most authority, so let me decide. No way. Not at all. Because each person will come on the day of judgment as a servant, humbled, alone, with nothing, empty-handed, so weak, and such a pathetic state that people will not even have clothes. Isn't that what we learn from the hadith? that people will come completely empty-handed. Just imagine. You know, for example, you could have a lot of money, but if you don't have your wallet, if you don't have your wallet when you're checking out of a store, when you're leaving a store, can you take anything with you? No. And it's so embarrassing. Isn't it? So embarrassing that when you have a cart full of groceries, Alright? Everything has been scanned and you are asked to pay for the groceries and what happens? You realize you don't have any money. It happened with me once. My children, they have this habit of like of taking my debit card. Okay, They love my debit card. So many times it happens that when I am checking out, I realize I don't have my debit card. And I happened to be at a grocery store once and I realized... I don't have my debit card. Now, first of all, all that time and effort that you've put in in collecting all those groceries, and then standing there having each and every item scanned and then bagged, and then you can't find your card, what are you meant to do? So I have to request them to please hold the groceries, run back home, get money, and then pay. So just imagine, this is so difficult that you have nothing with you. So on the Day of Judgment, people will have nothing with them. The only thing that will help a person is what? It's his deeds, actions. And actions, deeds, they're so embarrassing, aren't they? I mean, if right next to your name, your actions are written, your character is described, isn't that so embarrassing to even listen to or to even read? Which is why people, when they're writing their resumes, they try to glorify what they have done. Right? They write it up in very flowery language so that it looks nice. Because in reality, they know what their actions are like. They know what their accomplishments are like. Right? Like for example, it could have been written that, okay, so-and-so person 
has graduated or has this degree, but you're not going to write your grade or you're not going to write your, what is it, GPA or something? Right? You're not going to write that. Why? Because it's embarrassing. But on the Day of Judgment, what is that's going to be with the person? Just their deeds. Secondly, and we learn in a hadith that on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fold up the skies in His right hand and will take the earths in His other hand and He will say, I am the Malik, Ana al-Malik, Ana al-Dayyan. I am the Sovereign, I am the Judge. Where are the kings of the earth? Where are the tyrants? Where are the arrogant? Only Allah will have authority. Secondly, what we learn in this ayah is that that day shall be a very difficult day for the disbelievers. However, it will be easy for the believer. The Prophet ﷺ said, this is a hadith from Musnad Ahmad, I declare on oath by Allah, in whose hand is my life, that the long, difficult day of judgment will be made very short and light for a believer. As short and light as the time taken in offering an obligatory prayer. This is how easy it will be for a believer. Just imagine, fard salah, how long does it take? You know, fard salah especially, it's easy. When you compare the four rakah of sunnah with the four fard, what's easy? What's easy? The four fard or the four sunnah? Fard is always easy. Isn't it? It's always easy. So the Prophet ﷺ said the length of the Day of Judgment will be just like that for a believer. Hasn't it ever happened that you find yourself in a situation where you have to wait for a very long time? You keep yourself busy. You're reading your phone. You're reading a book. You're doing dhikr. And what happens? You're able to, you know, wait patiently. But the same one hour is so difficult for other people. Why? Because they've got nothing to do. Like for example, children. Right? You can sit for an hour and wait. But children, can they sit for an hour? No way. That hour is like a whole day for them. Isn't it? What's the difference? One is occupied and the other is not occupied. What happens in an airplane? Sometimes a flight is 10 hours long. Some people, they're so restless every now and then getting up, walking back and forth. Right? Always checking the time and other people... They've got a list of movies that they want to watch. So for them, the time is actually short. Hmm? So, you see, in this world, you see this difference in people. But how for some people, waiting is easy, and for others, it's difficult. On the Day of Judgment, waiting will be very easy for some people. It will be very light for some people. And for others, it will be very, very difficult. In Surah Al-Muzzammil, Ayah 17, we learn... فَكَيْفَ تَتَّقُونَ إِنْ كَفَرْتُمْ يَوْمًا يَجْعَلُ الْوِلْدَانَ شِيبًا Then how can you protect yourself if you disbelieve? How can you protect yourself if you disbelieve? The day that will make the children white-haired. It will make the children white-haired. So difficult is that day. In Surah Al-Muddathir, Ayah 8 to 10, we learn, فَإِذَا نُقِرَ فِي النَّاقُورِ فَذَلِكَ يَوْمَئِذٍ يَوْمٌ عَسِيرٌ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ غَيْرُ يَسِيرٌ When the trumpet is blown, that day will be a difficult day for the disbelievers. It will not be easy. Can we listen to the recitation, please? وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْجُونَ لِقَاءَنَا لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْنَا الْمَلَائِكَةُ أَوْ نَرَى رَبَّنَا 
لقد استكبروا في أنفسهم وعتوا عتوا كبيرا يوم يرون الملائكة لا بشرى يومئذ للمجرمين ويقولون حجرا محجورا وقدمنا إلى ما عملوا من عمل فجعلناه هباء منثورا أصحاب الجنة يومئذ خير مستقرا وأحسن مقيلا ويوم تشقق السماء بالغمام ونزل الملائكة تنزيلا الملك يومئذ الحق للرحمن وكان يوما على الكافرين عسيرا